This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The 2022 Tier Buster Series continues this evening as I discuss the 2022 running back class, breaking down all my tiers, sharing my thoughts on many of these prospects, who could potentially be tier jumpers, who could maybe break some ties within rankings. I think a lot of that information will happen over the next couple of months in the pre-draft process with the combine, with pro days, with more film evals and watching as I go through it. If you have missed the previous two episodes, we kicked off the Tier Buster series. I started it off with the quarterback tiers and then the tight end tiers. We will deep in, we will go in deep today to the running backs. And then next episode will be the wide receivers before we do a combine preview show. And then obviously combine recap shows as well. And just to kind of, you know, reiterate what I did on the previous podcast, this is a very evolving process. And just to prove that point, just since I recorded the quarterback and tight end tiers, which was in the last week, there's been movement within those tiers already. As I watch more film on guys, as I dug in on another prospect and then just kind of gravitated towards, ended up watching a lot of this player as well. You know, but little small things like that. So, you know, if you were listening to the quarterback or the tight end tiers and you were jotting things down, understand it's a very fluid process. It will there will be significantly more movement and changes and jumpers, you know, as we get the athletic testing, because I do see merit in the combine. I do think that putting everybody on a level playing field from every conference, every division uh, does have merit to it. I don't think it's something where if you love a guy's film, a combine should, you know, send it down your rankings by 15 spots or vice versa. But at the same time, I think movement within tiers, moving up one tier, things like that are very much uh, in play, especially in this year's draft class, especially with the prospects that we're looking at. And just to give you that example, like in my tier three of quarterbacks, I only had Bailey Zapp and, and Caleb Ellaby. And as I was doing a eval on Sky Moore, you know, and then just naturally started to gravitate a little bit more and watch a little bit more Caleb Ely, like I flip flop him and Bailey Zapp. Now it's not a tier jumper. It's just within tier three, you know, I think Caleb Ellaby is a better prospect for the pros than than Zappi. So it's something like that, that, you know, when I did the first episode, it was Zappi and then Ellaby. And already within a week and, and seeing some more film, I've reversed those guys. And at the tight end position, you know, I had an opportunity to watch a little bit more 2021 film of Jalen Weidemeyer and he battled a lot of inconsistency this year with creating separation, which already was part of a concern of him, uh, some drop issues, and just overall not the same level of player that he put on film earlier in his career. You know, so I talked about last time that I had no tight ends in tier one, and then in my tier two, there was four guys there, and there was a razor-thin margin between them. And and seeing some of the inconsistencies that Weidemeyer put on tape this year, I've just slid him still in that same tier, but I've slid him down. So now my second tier, which for me technically is my top tier with the tight ends because I don't have anybody in tier one, you know, it's Ruckert 
and then it's Isaiah Likely, and then it's Trey McBride, and then Weidermeyer is now at the bottom of that tier rather than towards the top of that tier. Uh, Cade Auden moved a little bit. Uh, I talked about him in the last episode that he might have been a guy that jumped the tier. Uh, so for me, Cade Auden has now jumped up. Uh, him and Cole Turner have jumped up in the tier three for me, but Auden's made a little bit of a move there. Obviously, that's still made up of guys like Greg Dulcich and, and Charlie Kolar and Grant Kekutera, but Kate Auden has now you know, leapfrogged himself into that mix as well after watching a little bit more film on him. So again, updated in the rankings notebook i really hope you consider purchasing it but i just wanted to show you that even within a couple days a week as i'm continuing to watch more film and and digging deeper on these prospects there will be movement within tiers there'll be slight tier jumpers as well and then obviously that'll continue with the combine with pro days right up until the draft process is over as we close in on the 2022 nfl draft so those are just a couple of small uh, movements within tiers or a small tier jumper you know in kate Auden's case uh, you know, so I, I wanted to just make that known that you may be someone who who bought the notebooks and you look at the the notebooks and you're like, wait a minute, that sounds different. It looks different already than what Paul said on air. And the truth of the matter is, is it is. And and this is a very fluid process. It's why when we created the notebooks way back when, we didn't want to do it as a PDF document. We didn't want to do it as a stale document. We wanted it to be a living, breathing, you know, thing that we update in, in midnight on, on a random Tuesday night or Monday night. Well, if you happen to check it out the following morning, you're going to see the updates. So that's why it's in the Google platform. Very easy uh, to update, very quick to update. And then it's, it's at your disposal immediately. If, you, if you're checking out uh, the notebooks continuously and, and consistently, you will see it. I often update uh, when the last update was made. So that'll give you a kind of idea that it could have been you know today or it could have been yesterday. Uh, you'll see when the last update was made for sure. So let's spin this over. We're talking running backs tonight. And then wide receivers will be how we round out the tier buster series. Wide receiver is the deepest position of the offensive skill players, maybe right up there in the draft with offensive tackle and edge rushers, uh, wide receiver, one of the stronger groups in the entire draft class. But for staying focused on skill players, uh, let's talk some running backs and, I will say this about the running back group. I didn't want to have another tier where there was no running back, uh, nobody in tier one. So I slightly adjusted uh, the breakdown a little bit. And I, and I do think it's a, it's a fair breakdown that guys who are considered late round one picks or early round two picks, I don't think there's much designation in them. So I don't think it's going to be very rare that we ever see a running back go in the top five or top 10 again. You know, we've seen it over the last X amount of years. We served Barkley, we served Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, Melvin Gordon was right at the back end of that, you know, guys like that. But I think it's much more likely that when running backs do happen to go round one, it's going to be much more like where Najee Harris went, uh, you know, or guys like that one. And then we see guys in the early portion of round two. So I think round one or early round two should kind of be morphed together. So that's what I kind of did today. I think it's a little bit representative more of what the NFL is. I think guys who go late round one to early, you know, round two, they're going to be top of, they're going to be top picks in most rookie draft leagues in, in terms of fantasy. And I think there's going to be always an occasional outlier, maybe another one next year in B. John Robinson. We'll see. Uh, but I, I, I didn't think that, I don't believe anybody should go round one, 
But I do think there's a handful of guys who could go in the first 5, 10, 15 picks in round two. So I think that should be included in my tier one. So here's a breakdown of tier one at the running back position uh, in terms of these are our designated tiers here at Saturday, Sunday. It's a potential round one or early round two NFL draft selection. We think they're day one starters. They have many traits are above average with at least one being rare to elite. These players can should be the focal point of the run game with the ability to contribute in the passing game as well. In terms of dynasty and fantasy, we think they're top six dynasty rookie pick in just about all formats. So for the tier one running backs for this draft class, I have Brees Hall out of Iowa State, Kent Walker III out of Michigan State, and Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. I don't think there's a Najee Harris in this draft class. I don't think anybody should go round one, but I do think Brees Hall, Kent Walker, Isaiah Spiller all warrant consideration in the first five to 15 picks in round two. I have Hall at the top of that and then a a little bit of a, and then Kent Walker and Isaiah Spiller, you know, below him. But I really do think the margin of error is, is, is thin between those guys. The margin of talent is very thin between them. I think Brees Hall is the most complete player. I think all three of them, doesn't don't really have that explosiveness that breakaway speed that game altering speed and that's okay right we understand that the running back position that's not really relevant i think all of these guys probably are some are going to be between four five and four six two at the combine i wouldn't be surprised if isaiah spiller or, or kent walker run like a four five seven or four five eight or even a four six and none of these guys would be rated as high as I had Najee Harris last year. None of these guys would be as high as the year that I had J.K. Dobbins at the top and Jonathan Taylor after them. None of these guys are even Josh Jacobs, who, uh, who was my favorite running back the year he came out. So all of these guys are guys that I think should go in the early to mid portion of round two. Hall's my favorite. Kent Walker and Isaiah Spiller, uh, thin razor margin between those two guys. Uh, none of them are the big playmakers, like I said. I think pass. Uh, down ability is key. I don't think any of these guys are, are it's going to be their calling card. I think Kent Walker, we have not seen any of it. So is it one of those things that he can't do it or he just hasn't been asked to do it at Michigan state? I think Hall definitely of the three is the best pass catcher of the group. I think he's, I think he's, he's average to above average. I wouldn't go further than that. I think Isaiah Spiller, same thing, functional, uh, they're not going to be used in any way like a Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara or, you know, Christian McCaffrey or even anything approximating that in terms of their pass catching ability, but they're okay. So I'm interested to kind of see how these guys test. Is anybody really unathletic? And, and you know, and that could really maybe hurt their stance a little bit. But for me, Hall, Walker, and Spiller are a clear tier for me. I don't think there's anybody that can jump into that tier for me. Uh, I think there's a big drop off. I think honestly, after those three guys, there really shouldn't be another running back taken, you know, probably for a whole round, like, you know, mid to late round three, I think is where the next running back should come off the board. Uh, because I think you can make the case from four to like 12. There is not much difference. It's kind of pick your flavor of what you want. And I do have it broken down into slightly two tiers because there are two other guys that I think do warrant, uh, being you know somewhere in that mid portion of round three and then the rest of the guys are late round three and round four type guys so if we take this to tier two for me tier two are guys that we think are mid round two to mid round three running back selections in the nfl draft we think they could be a uh 
part of a committee backfield based on their skill set. Maybe they can be the lead in the committee if they're a really good pass catching running back. Maybe they can, you know, not be the lead runner, but maybe be the lead touch guy. So when you think lead running back in a committee, it doesn't necessarily have to mean the lead in rushing attempts. It could just be in overall touches. Several traits are above average to very good. These players can, should contribute immediately to the run game and have the capacity to contribute and be a factor in the passing game. There are or maybe some concerns about the ability to be a three down back in terms of fantasy. We think these are guys who can, depending on the draft class, they could be mid-round one to early round two dynasty rookie picks, maybe a little bit further if we're talking super flex or two quarterback leagues. Uh, but if a guy goes in the second round, mid-second round to mid-third round, they're probably going to be in consideration somewhere in that you know mid to late round one or early to mid round two of dynasty rookie drafts, especially if it's, you know, only one quarterback. So for me, the only guys I have in tier two are Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame and James Cook out of Georgia. And I'll say this, none of these guys are three down backs at the next level. To me, I don't even, I'm not even sure if any of them would be the lead rusher in a committee, but I do think they could be the most impactful guy in a committee. And especially in Kyron Williams case, that could be the case. And in James Cook's case, I think he can be a little bit more of a specialized role, but more talented than guys who are going to go a little bit further than him. I think he's got a lot of untapped upside. Georgia, you know, obviously a very good program. I think they underutilized him, to be honest with you. I think he's a guy who should live in that 13 touch kind of world. And maybe it's only like five to seven rushes, but then he should really be looking at five to six, you know, receptions a game, a guy who can, who can be an 80 catch guy. I think he's got that skill set. He can line up in the slot. You can do all different things out of the backfield with him. So to me, James Cook is that, is that kind of that offensive weapon who's not going to be your lead rusher, but could be your lead touch getter in a backfield. You know, you pair him with a, a stronger physical, more power back. I think James Cook would be a dynamic duo with somebody like that. Kyron Williams, I think he has three down skill set because he he's tough in pass protection. He catches the ball well. I'm just not sure he's got the you know, he's going to be looked at as a guy at the NFL level who could lead a committee. I think he's going to be a part of a committee. I think he can end up having the most touches when you talk about his pass game work in, in addition to his run game ability. So I do am intrigued by Kyron Williams. He sits at number four for me. James Cook sits at number five. I think both of those guys should squarely come off the board. I think they're they're kind of like the early to mid-round three picks. I think, you know, if the other guys are early to mid-round two, I think these guys are early to mid-round three is where I'd be comfortable with these two players. To be honest with you, I think those really are the only five guys that should go in the first 100 picks. Now, I do think it's possible, you know, you know, that at the end of round three and into round four, we have a little bit of a run on running backs. And that kind of moves me right to my next tier, which tier three is made up of guys that we consider late round three to round four selections in the NFL draft. We think they are definitely talented enough to be a part of a committee backfield and they offer upside. Some traits are above average. These players offer a competitive advantage as runners or as pass catchers. These players could emerge into bigger roles of the backfield by the end of year one or definitely by year two. In terms of dynasty rookie drafts, we're thinking round two uh, to mid-round three in terms of dynasty rookie picks, especially in one quarterback leagues, maybe a little bit further down. You know, if we start talking about, you know, three, four, five, six quarterbacks going in, in some draft classes. My tier three is made up of a decent amount of prospects, especially considering my tier two is only made up of Kyron Williams and James Cook. In this tier for me right now is Jerion Ely out of Ole Miss, Tyler Batty out of Missouri, Rashad White out of Arizona State, 
Tyler Algier out of BYU, Zamir White out of Georgia, Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama, Damian Pierce out of Florida, and Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. To me, I almost have this as two completely separate tiers based on what I think they could be at the next level. Ely, Batty, Rashad White. They are a completely different style player than everybody else I just named in this tier. Jerry Neal, Tyler Batty, and Rashad White are not going to be guys who handle a heavy workload in, in the NFL. I know Tyler Batty showed it this year. I don't think that's going to be his role at the next level. I think Ely, Batty, Rashad White are basically, if you're targeting a guy like James Cook, but you lose out on James Cook, Ely, Batty, White, a round or so later, could be the guy you get at a slight discount than maybe where you got to take James Cook. I think all of those guys can be a part of a committee, can be part of a pass catching, can be a versatile offensive weapon, be a really good piece out of the backfield, catching passes. You can get these guys in space. They're playmakers. And I think every NFL team is looking for guys like this. So for me, a lot of people are going to have the more traditional runners ahead. And I think I kind of grouped them all here. And it's hard to really rank Ely and Batty and White compared to Algiers, Amir White, Brian Robinson, Damian Pierce, it's almost impossible because they're basically two completely different positions in terms of how an NFL team might use them. If an NFL team already has that guy, like a Naheem Hines type, and I know they already have Jonathan Taylor, so I get it. But if they had a, you know, a Naheem Hines type in terms of their pass catching ability, then they have no use for a guy like Ely, Beatty, and White. They might want somebody else. And on the flip side, if you have a strong interior inside runner, let's just say Chase Edmonds wasn't in Arizona and James Conner was going back there, you know, they might be interested in a guy like Ely or Beatty or or white. So I think it's very hard to kind of rank. And that's kind of why right now from my, within my tier, I have the pass catchers, change of pace, space players kind of grouped together. And then I have the more physical early down runners. And I do think that's what the rest of these guys are. But sticking with Ely Beatty and Rashad White, I think all of those guys are dynamic players with the ball in their hands, can make people miss, can do a lot of perimeter stuff in terms of their running, space the field, run, run zones and draws, RPOs to them, get them out in the backfield, use them in a variety of ways. I think all of them could be really impactful players at the next level. It was nice to see Beatty kind of take that step this year. They get for like 1,600 rushing yards or whatever. They really changed you know, his usage and how they utilized him. I don't think that's who he is, like this bell cow back. I don't think that's him at the next level. But I think him, Ely, and White are three guys really intrigued. If any of them snuck off the board late round three, I wouldn't be surprised. I think round four is probably where they're more ticketed for. But I would not be surprised if, if Ely or Beatty, uh, you know, snuck off, you know, in the late part of round three. And that, like, I, I don't know how many picks there are at the, by the end of round three. But, you know, that 100 to, like, 105, if there's that many picks this year, uh, you know, in that range right Right there, I could see one or two of these guys come off the board, but I still think they're more probably, if not late round three, more somewhere on round four. Now, the other guys, Algier, White, Robinson, Pierce, and Jerome Ford, these are all guys that I think are ticketed for committee backfields. I think they're best as early down runners. A couple of them have shown some functionality in terms of being a check down option. I think Brian Robinson showed some games this year that he could handle that. I think Tyler Algier showed improvement that this year in terms of being a check down option. So it's not that these guys can't play on third downs and some of them, you know, especially a guy like Damian Pierce, unbelievable in pass protection, probably the best pass protector in this draft class. So, you know, he's a guy who might play on third downs. I don't think that means he's necessarily this great pass catching running back, but he's great in pass protection. So I, these guys, I think, profile more as committee guys, early down runners between the tackles, have some of them have the ability to kick outside, but I think most of these guys are better going north-south, physical, tough runners. I think, you know, Algier, one cut 
an upfield zone type of runner. We sort of, we sort of BYU used that a lot over the last two years. He was very successful at it. He can get to the outside, but I think he's one cut and go. He's not going to make people miss. He's not going to layer a bunch of, you know, sharp cuts together and show this great agility in the open field, but he's got that physical, tough finishing ability mentality. I think Samir White's got that same thing. I think Brian Robinson, Pierce and Ford all have that. I do think Jerome Ford probably has the best acceleration of the bunch if he gets to the second level. Uh, I think he's the hardest maybe to catch from behind and can get past that, you know, second level or third level of defense. Uh, but I think all of these guys could, you know, conceivably be late round three to round four picks. Could one or two of them even fall to round five? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Jerome Ford, you know, maybe he falls a little bit further than I have him here. But I do think some of these guys might come off the board late round three. I think a bunch of them will come off the board in round four. I think they all can be really functional, good running backs at the next level, part of committees, really be functional pieces on an offense. And it really depends on what you want. Do you want the space player to pass catcher, the offensive weapon, or do you want the guy, you know, who can just keep the chains moving, physical, tough, interior runner with some athleticism to kick it outside? And these guys, the power guys, all have different levels of athleticism. Uh, you know, I think Zamir White and, and Tyler Algier probably have the most athleticism of the guys that I said. Robinson and Pierce, I think, are maybe the, the most physical in terms of their running style. And Algier would be there, too. I think Jerome Ford, I already talked about, maybe the most burst and acceleration from that group. So those are the guys that make up my tier three of the running backs. If we take this to my tier four, so now tier four and tier five are are filled with a lot of names here. So I'm not going to go into depth on all of them for sure. Uh, You know, you can get all my thoughts in the notebooks. You can, you know, a lot of these guys I've talked about throughout the year as well, or, or in the Shrine Bowl or Senior Bowl preview or recap shows and other times I'll talk about them for sure. Uh, So tier four for me is made up of, Guys who I think are round five, round six guys. So guys who I think safely are going to be drafted in the NFL draft. And to me, they're a lesser part of a committee or a handcuff or a depth piece. They have several solid traits. These players have a complementary skill set that can develop into a specialized role or a lesser part of a committee in the future and are capable of leading the backfield and maintaining the integrity of the offense if called upon due to injuries. In terms of rookie drafts for fantasy, I think we're talking round three, round four type dynasty rookie picks, maybe even round five stashes on some of these guys, depending on how many go in this range. So my tier four, I'll run down the list and I'll talk about a couple guys that are most intriguing from this list. It's a pretty extensive list. Zonovan Bam Knight out of NC State, a guy who I think when the year started, many people thought was maybe ticketed for tier two. Uh, didn't have as good a year this year, but I still am intrigued by his overall skill set. Kevin Harris out of South Carolina. I think he's another guy that most people thought was going to be ticketed for a day two role. Uh, didn't have a stronger year. I think now he's probably ticketed for like a round five pick. Him and him and Knight probably are, are ticketed for round five. But they are two guys who I'm intrigued with who could maybe jump a tier. But we'll talk about some potential tier jumpers in a little bit. Uh, Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State and Devontae Price out of FIU are two smaller school prospects that I'm really intrigued with. Pierre Strong Jr. is the best running back at the Shrine Bowl. A lot of positive reports. Uh, He's a guy that I think 
is a guy that could surprise people if he was given an opportunity. I know it's impossible and it's almost so rare, but if there was a, you know, small school, late round James Robinson, you know, that emerged from the 2022 draft class, I think Pierre Strong Jr. would probably be my pick out of South Dakota State. Devontae Price also wouldn't be a bad option as well out of FIU. I think Strong is a little bit more versatile in what he brings to the table. I have him one spot higher, but they're right there. Uh, some other guys in this tier are C.J. Verdell out of Oregon, Ty Chandler out of UNC, formerly of Tennessee, Keontae Ingram uh, out of USC, formerly Texas, Hassan Haskins out of Michigan, Max Borgie out of Washington State, Sincere McCormick out of UTSA, and Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma. So I talked about uh, Knight and Harris a little bit. Tough, physical, strong guys could easily basically – the same thing I talked about, guys like Robinson and Pierce and, and Algier. I don't think Zonovan Knight and Kevin Harris are that far behind them. So, you know, again, I'll bring them up later on, on potential tier jumpers. But I think Knight and, and Harris are guys that could easily eventually become parts of committees. You know, they're tough physical runners. Inside, I think North-South is best suits them. I talked a little bit about Strong Jr. Devontae Price, another guy intrigues me. Hasn't shown much in the passing game, so I think that's a wild card, but he could be he can materialize into an early down runner. CJ Verdell out of Oregon, I feel like he's been in Oregon for like seven years. A very functional runner at the next level. I don't think he has a clear calling card. I think he's pretty solid across the board, and I think he'll be a guy that has a long NFL career, but I think without that clear calling card or trait, you know, he might be looked upon, you know, from the draft Twitter community as a guy that should be much higher on this, but I just don't see anything about his game that really stands out. He runs hard. I think he's got some agility. I think he's got some bursts, but he's, he's a guy that's just kind of solid across the board. But I think that kind of tickets him to be a depth piece or a part of a lesser part of a committee. Uh, Ty Chandler and Keontae Ingram, I talked about them a little bit when I recapped the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. Two guys that I thought were really going to break out this year after their transfers that I thought their former programs were holding them back a little bit. Didn't really materialize, but I think there's some untapped upside there. Those are two guys that really intrigued me who are going to be round five, round six type picks, but I'm going to be following them closely at the NFL level, maybe get them on some dynasty leagues, deep, deep stashes, you know, that leagues that have like taxi squads and stuff like that, and see if they maybe work their way up a depth chart because I do like their natural skill set uh Hassan Hoskins obviously down the stretch of this year you know very talked about in terms of that his monster performances especially against Ohio State but I think he's very much a plotter a sustainer uh when I look at Haskins I just think he's more of a depth piece a third running back on a depth chart you know can take over if needed due to injuries early down runner is going to come off the the field on passing downs Max Borgie's a guy who I think once upon a time people were much higher on. He's, I think, very much a pass catching down back at the next level. Uh, I don't think he his athletic profile is that of the guys I talked about before when I was talking about Tyler Beatty and Rashad White and 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 Jerry Ealy. You know, and if you don't get James Cook, you can get one of those guys around round and a half later. I think Max Borgie is the option if you're waiting till late rounds and you're hoping to find a, a functional pass catching running back. I think that could be Borgie. Since you're McCormick and the small school guy that intrigues me, uh, when the year started, he was right next to Price and Strong for me. But right now, I think he, I think those guys are a little bit. Uh, right now ahead of him, but not too much. And then Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma, him very much like Hassan Haskins. I just think good, really good college players, strong, powerful. I just think at the next level, that is 
pretty much what any interior early down runner is. So I think there's not a lot about his game that I think makes him stand out compared to guys who are in the NFL already, but I think he's got a role. I think he's a guy that could easily be a third running back on a team. And if a team needs him to play a bigger role, he can be fine and he can be serviceable. And, and I think those guys can be found now on, on in round five and some even times on round six, just because we know how different the league is and how they value running backs now. So a lot of guys in here of, of intrigue, uh, and I think a lot of these guys are going to have careers in the NFL and some of them might end up in the right opportunity in the right spot. And maybe they can make some noise down the line, but I think most of these guys are probably ticketed for backup roles at the next level. Maybe even, you know, if they get to a backup role, I think most of these guys are probably third type guys on the depth chart and see if they can work their way up. And then the final tier of the running backs is tier five tier five is guys that we consider late round picks so maybe round seven or priority free agents uh we think they are depth or practice squad to start out some solid traits can stabilize the backfield in the case of an emergency but not long-term fixtures obviously every once in a while there could be a guy who is a diamond in the rough but i think most guys who are taken in round seven or priority free agents don't you know, I don't think most NFL teams are looking at them to be long-term fixtures in that backfield. I think they're drafting them maybe for one or two traits that they like about them. Maybe it's just their, their athletic testing. Maybe it's their power or their physicality. Maybe it's their pass catching ability. Maybe it's their special teams ability. Uh, you know, so I think in terms of fantasy, these are late round guys, watch list guys, uh, you know, stash guys, maybe in, in the best of circumstances. And this also includes guys that possibly that just have limited exposures to right now to make a true determination. I know they're going to be at the senior. I know they're going to be at the combine. Haven't had an opportunity to find enough film on them yet to make my own opinion. I do like to get some guys like that who I just haven't had enough exposure to, but I know they're going to get an opportunity to be at the combine and then their pro days and stuff like that. Uh, so I like to put them here to have them in the tiers and then be able to adjust and move. Uh, if when I get a chance to watch some more film and get more exposures to these guys, I already have them in, in the system and then just have to move them around uh, if, if need be. So guys that make up the tier five for me are Master Teague, the third out of Ohio State, Malik Davis out of Florida, Stephen Carr out of Indiana, Snoop Connor out of Ole Miss, Jay Sean Corbin out of Florida State, Tyler Goodson out of Iowa, Greg Bell out of San Diego State, Letty Brown out of West Virginia, Ty Davis-Price out of LSU, Tristan Ebner out of Baylor, Isaiah Pacquiao out of Rutgers, Ronnie Rivers out of Fresno State, and Zakandre White out of South Carolina. We have some guys here who were Shrine Bowl people like uh, Jay Sean Corbin and Letty Brown. We have some former big-time recruits like Stephen Carr and Master Teague in this list. I think Master Teague is probably the most surprising just because he's been on Bruce Feldman's freak list multiple times. He was a big, big-time four-star recruit uh, that things just never materialized You know, at Ohio State. His best part of his college career was early in his career. But, you know, he just kind of always got lost in the shuffle, whether it was Trey Sermon transferring there, whether it was, uh, you know, Travion Henderson exploding this year. But I do think Master Teague is a guy who a team is going to draft. I think he's going to, even though he's not going to be invited to the combine, I think he's going to be a guy that somebody drafts in round seven who really is high on athletic profiling. And they're going to draft him. They're going to look at his former four-star recruit, his athletic testing, being on that Bruce Feldman freak list that I mentioned. He's far and away the guy that intrigues me the most from this group. I would say Stephen Carr also, because when he was at USC early in his career, he really intrigued me. So I think Stephen Carr is an interesting name in this group. And then a couple other guys, Snoop Connor, 
uh, you know, Tyler Goodson, Jay Sean Corbin, a couple other guys that are of intrigue in this. Some of these guys, I'm going to be honest, I just haven't had a lot of exposure to, hoping to still work my way to guys like Ronnie Rivers out of Fresno State or Ty Davis Price out of LSU. I mean, some of these guys I just saw, you know, watching football on Saturdays over the last couple of years, but do not have enough to really have a full take on them. We'll see if something stands out at the combine that maybe sends me into doing a full evaluation on these guys. So there it is, my tiers one through five at the running back position. Let's talk a little bit here about, you know, some potential tier jumpers and movement within these tiers over, you know, the next couple months here in the pre-draft process. Uh, I don't think anybody in my, I'll say this, my tier one guys, if Isaiah Spiller or Kenneth Walker really test poorly, I could see myself maybe sliding them down to the top of tier two uh, just to kind of create a little bit more separation with the guys that are in tier one. But I don't think there's going to be some, you know, I'm not expecting a great number. So it would have to be a really poor number to make me reconsider based on, you know, where I have them based on that. It would have to be something that would really be of concern. I'm not expecting that. So I don't think there'll be, any movement within that. I think within the tier, I could see myself flip-flopping Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller. I don't think I have a clear, uh, right now, Kenneth Walker is my lean, but I think that is close enough that some athletic testing numbers could potentially uh, have me flip-flop those guys. I'd be really surprised if Brees Hall doesn't stay up at the top of that. In terms of tier two, I don't think anybody from my tier two, which is a very small list of Kyron Williams and James Cook, I don't think any of those guys are jumping into my tier one mix. Uh, I think those guys are pretty much stabilized in my tier two mix. I'd be surprised if anything stunning from their combine testing or pro days really forced me to slide them down. But I also don't think anything they can do would slide them up my tier into tier one. Now, tier three is interesting because I do think that from the likes of E. Lee and Beatty and Rashad White, can any of them potentially slide their way up to not being a one-round later option than James Cook, but potentially being an option right there with James Cook in round three? And I do think that's possible. So I think E. Lee, Beatty, Rashad White, I'm really intrigued by how they test. Does anybody just really dominate the combine and clearly differentiate themselves from the other group of guys there in terms of athleticism. Because I think if Ely or Beatty or White do, I do think potentially one of those guys could jump into the tier two mix right there behind James Cook uh, and maybe be looked at, you know, right next to him rather than like a round discount later. So I think Ely, Beatty and White are guys that I could see myself potentially jumping up a tier uh, those other guys in tier two, in tier three, the the physical, more power guys, I don't really see any of them making a jump into tier two. I think unless one of those guys shows something, and I, it's gonna be hard to show a lot in terms of their pass catching ability. Yeah, they run the gauntlet and do those things at the combine. That's a very small sample size. Uh, they've had their whole collegiate career, and most of them have just looked out to be functional or non-existent in terms of their pass ability. So I think those guys are probably locked into tier three. Uh, maybe somebody surprises a little bit and can push their way up into tier two. Uh, from the physical power guys, I would say Tyler Algier, Zamir White, and Damian Pierce would probably be the three guys who I can say maybe surprising me with their athletic testing, especially Algier and White more so than Pierce. Uh 
if any of those guys really are surprised at the combine, maybe they kind of differentiate that group for me. Because right now they're all cluttered together. So can somebody from that Algier, White, Robinson, Pierce, Ford group potentially stand out significantly in terms of their athletic numbers that make me a little bit more intrigued with them and not have them kind of all bunched together because I don't see a big, big difference in in those style of players and what they're going to bring to the NFL at the next level. In terms of tier four, I kind of talked about it before. I could see Zonovan Knight or Kevin Harris pushing their way to the back of tier three because I'm not sure they're dramatically that different of type of players than the Brian Robinsons, the Zamir Whites, the Algiers, and the Pierces and the Fords. So I could see Zonovan Knight or Kevin Harris potentially moving their way up into that as I watch more film on these guys, as I get some athletic testing scores. I think Knight and Harris are the guys that could potentially be tier jumpers. Uh, I like Strong. I like Price. I'd be surprised if any of them push for round four. If I was going to pick one, I would say Strong, but I think they're probably ticketed for that round five group. Smaller schools, uh, a, a position that's not really valued that much, unless one of those guys really surprises in terms of their athletic testing. I think Strong would be the one of the two that could potentially do that. I think that would be the only way that maybe one of them get into the round four mix. And then I already talked about Master Teague. He's in tier five right now. Him or Stephen Carr, two big former recruits. Do any of them really put on a a show at their pro day uh, because they're not going to be at the combine? Do any of them really put on a show at their pro day that maybe they can bump from round seven into the round six mix? Uh, I think that's a to be determined. I don't see anybody right now in my tier five, but I think Teague, Carr uh, would be the two guys that I'm most intrigued with. Maybe Snoop Connor, if I'm, if I'm picking a third guy, uh, who could potentially be a tier jumper uh, from that tier into the next tier. So there it is, guys. The 2022 running back tiers broken down into five tiers. These are tiers designated just for Saturday, Sunday, where we combine our film evals, our draft projection, our dynasty fantasy projection all into one to try to give you guys the specialized Saturday, Sunday tiers. Uh, as I talked about at the top of the show, when I was kind of talking about some changes already in the quarterback and tight end tiers, these things change quick. And I'm sure by next week, by maybe the end of this week, there might be some movement within my tiers or maybe even a small tier jumper as I continue to watch more film. Like I said, you know, we are a small process here at Saturday, Sunday. So, you know, we are doing things live constantly. And the more exposures, the more film I watch, that leads to changes. And as I watch more things, I, I get at my thoughts as quickly as I can if I feel like I have enough foundation to do that. But at the same time, as I have more time, as I have more access, uh, a lot, a lot changes. And then you add the athletic numbers to that and more film eval and stuff like that. And that's how. There could be significant movement within tiers and some tier jumpers. But what you rarely almost ever see is like significant like three jump tiers or two jump tiers because then that's that's not really practical. You know, these tiers are mostly created, you know, with the film eval combining in the draft projection and the fantasy projection, uh, you know, but usually what happens in the pre-draft process will make some movement not wholesale changes uh, for sure. That's just not something that, you know, we've pushed back so many times, you know, here at Saturday, Sunday, when a guy doesn't test as well as maybe people thought. And I remember the overreaction to Calvin Ridley and there was overreaction to Dalvin Cook. And, and we love those guys here at Saturday, Sunday. And, and, you know, 
nothing's going to change our mind on, on the guys that we really, really like maybe small, small, you know, tiny movement within a tier breaking ties, stuff like that. Uh, but, but that's about it. And then some guys, maybe smaller school guys or guys a little bit further down. I could see those guys moving within tiers a little bit more. Those guys maybe jump in a tier based on more film becoming available, athletic testing becoming available. Maybe, you know, we didn't see something that they get to show in the pre-draft process. I think that's where you see some more movement for sure, but all movement is possible just because we're constantly playing catch up a little bit here at Saturday, Sunday, and, and, you know, at the expense basically of what's out there on YouTube and, and thank God for all that is out there. Uh, but it does lead to some late access sometimes. And when things are available and time is available for me to watch more film on this and lead to some changes for sure. So again, if you didn't check out the quarterbacks and tight ends, please do so. If you're enjoying what we do here, please get over to the website, ssfootball.com. Easiest and fastest way to get there. Check out the premium content tab for $9.99. You get access to all of our premium content. You get the scouting notebook, which is basically an NFL draft offensive guide. Almost 100 prospects in that already. Strengths, functional areas, developmental areas, slash weaknesses, how they win, NFL role, NFL draft projection, fantasy spin projection, all for that for every single prospect that we've done a deep dive on. Uh, like I said, close to 100. You get the rankings notebook, all my rankings, all my tiers. Uh, we'll have my 2022 Dynasty Rookie Rankings. I'm still updating my 2021 Dynasty Rookie Rankings as they head into the offseason. Uh, positional overall Dynasty Rankings. Devi Rankings. Uh, it'll have IDP Rookie Rankings after the draft. So much there uh, in terms of the Rankings Notebook. And then in April, a week or two before the draft, you get the 2022 Draft Projections Notebook. 300 to 400 players in there tab for every position offense and defense snapshot of who the player is how they win some uh developmental or 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 concerning areas their combine testing numbers uh and everybody is ranked in the in the way i expect them to get drafted not my takes you can get all my takes on on most of the offensive guys in the the scouting notebook and my rankings notebook but this is how from everything i'm hearing trying to project how it will go off the board and you get a tab for me projecting the first 32 picks uh, every pick in the first three rounds, and then another tab, me projecting, trying to project every pick in the entire NFL draft based on how I expect them to come off the board. Get all of it for $9.99. Best way to support the show. If you bought it in the past, please consider buying it again. If you've never bought it, but you've been a long-time listener, please check it out. It is what we need to continue to do what we do here. It is the livelihood uh, and the lifeblood of everything that we do here at Saturday to Sunday and continue to bring uh to you each and every single week. So, on behalf of Matt, on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining me, and I'll take you, look forward to taking you next time from Saturday to Sunday.